This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Rupert Patagno alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting and University of Washington Head Coach Kalen DeBoer. Coach, I'm not even going to get you started with a question. I'm reading up on your bio and I go back to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, record holder in both football and baseball. You hit 520, still a school record as a senior. You had a career batting average of 492, and you hit 37 career homers. That is still a record as well. I mean, goodness gracious, man, that's pretty crazy. I think you could you could do it all. I've never I've never seen that in a head coach's bio, coach. So congratulations on that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Those are good times, that's for sure. So some great moments, and at a small school, you can you know have a, probably a better opportunity to uh, play a couple sports uh, more than a you know, school, maybe like Washington, even though we have a couple guys in track as well. But uh, yeah, those are great times. That's for sure. Well, coach, we, we appreciate you jumping on with us. And I, and I want to start in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. You were the head coach there, same school you went to from 2005 to 2009. You were 67 and three in that span, three national championships. Your next head coaching opportunity didn't come until 10 years later at Fresno State. I just wonder how difficult was it for you to stay patient for the right opportunity during that time, knowing that you've been really successful as a head coach before? Honestly, it wasn't hard at all. Um, I loved being an offensive coordinator. I, I really did. I love being a head coach. And um, I think in my, one of the reasons why I left, I know one of the reasons I left Sioux Falls was, you know, to get that experience at a division one level, um, be around and see the operations of a bigger staff, we had four of us full-time at Sioux Falls, uh, including myself, the rest were part-time coaches. So just seeing that operation, seeing how, you know, what everyone's job or duties were and, and uh, it, it was great. But um, once I got into that kind of 10 years and went from Southern Illinois to Eastern Michigan to Fresno to Indiana, um, man, I just, it, it was a lot of fun growing and building an offense. Um, I was taking a lot of notes though of uh, what, you know, what the head coaches were doing that I was with because, uh, man, they were phenomenal and uh, learned a lot being around those those coaches and had a lot of added a lot of their expert expertise and the experiences I had with them uh, to what I, you know, have today here at UW. Coach Cooper brought up your uh, your baseball statistics, but your career record as a head football coach 
90 and 11. Uh, what aspect of your approach to, to the game and, and coaching have you taken to every one of your stops? I mean, you just brought it up. You used to have four guys on staff. I think you can multiply that probably by, by five or six there in your in Washington. So what has stayed consistent for you from each stop? Yeah, I think um, there's there's a lot of pieces to the winning recipe, I guess. But, um, I mean, I think it always ends up being the people. It always does because – you know, me trusting the coaching staff I have around me and the off the field staff that they're doing their job and, and uh, you know, just that the, they got the right people. They're capable. Um, they're organized. Uh, you know, just being around the right people is really what has been consistent. Fortunately, I've been able to kind of get a chance to choose each job. And, you know, as I went through these, uh, these my career um, and in that I've always looked for being around the right people. I'm going to be in an offensive staff room pretty much every hour of the day, you know, with a group of guys. I want to make sure that those guys are people I enjoy and people are going to challenge me. But, uh, you know, and I can challenge them and we can walk out of there and we can be better because of it. And I feel like I have that here on this staff. You know, I've got a staff that um, I know I challenge every day, but I also, you know, have a group of coaches that uh, I learn from as well. You know, there's things that as they're they're growing, you know, that they bring to the table that can make us better. And, um, you know, I listen, you know, I listen to what they have to say. Coach, when you when you took the job at Washington, I was reading an article and I found it pretty interesting about the expectations that you had on Montlake in Seattle year one. And you talked about I want to win now. Right. That that was the expectation day one. Was that just the mentality or was there anything about the University of Washington, maybe the roster makeup at that time that you had saw about this program that you felt and obviously believe for good reason, hey, that we can go out there in the Pac-12, play at a conference championship level and win 11 ball games next year? Yeah, um, I think, you know, the Sioux Falls days were, were a little different because there was a continuity from being an offensive coordinator growing into a, the head coach job after our head coach had retired. Um, I think I saw, you know, in other programs like Eastern Michigan, we kind of really were turning that program around from one and 11 seasons into, you know, now they're consistent bowl contenders, you know, and uh, doing a great, they're doing a great job there. But um, what I saw, I think at Fresno um, was, was something where I just really felt like that was a one and 11 program one year we come in and we go 10 and four and then 12 and two the next two years. And, I think that stuck out at me. So what was the reason why that happened? Again, great coaches and hires, um, but it has this, it had this foundation. And I feel like UW has this, this cult, this tradition, um, this pride in who we are. Um, it's got national championship trophies in our trophy case. Um, it's got conference championships, you know, um, all these bowl appearances, these all Americans. Um, it has this, just like this depth of, tradition to it and this pride um, and knowing that you have a place like that here at UW and then getting to meet the guys uh, the first couple of weeks, the worst first week or two, I really saw that hey, we weren't that far away. And I've learned that along all the stops that most teams, they really have really almost, they're not that far off. The records end up sometimes being quite different, you know, from one program to the next, but a lot of it has to do with, the, the just the confidence and the swagger you develop and a couple breaks here and there, uh, you know, your response to adversity when those tough times do hit. But um, I saw the right guys in this program um, and felt very confident that, 
you know, there would be some success. What that success looked like, um, I wasn't even that concerned about. It was more about just every day us having what we call the relentless pursuit of continuous improvement. And uh, our guys did that. They never flinched when we asked them to do anything. And, um, you know, I know you were a part of actually some guys coming into this program too. You know, I need to give props to you because there's some people <laughs> that are doing some great things. So I was waiting for the right time and moment. I think this is it to show my gratitude and appreciation to you and some of the guys that are in this program that have done great things. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm blushing right now. You know, you talk about the constant pursuit um, and it makes me think of, you know, the guy that I used to work for that used to sit in your chair and Chris Peterson. And I, and I, and I wonder about that. You know, he came on the show a couple of weeks ago. We had the opportunity to kind of sit down and, and catch up. And you guys seem very similar to me just in terms of how you kind of handle yourself. And I wonder, was was there a conversation that existed between the two of you before you stepped in that program uh, that, you know, maybe you, you had a relationship with him prior to stepping in the role or maybe you had just met him? Uh, but at any point, did you talk to him about, hey, this job, maybe the expectations of the job and what that would look like? Yeah, we had one conversation and, and we really didn't know each other uh, before me coming here. And um, but I, I have a lot of uh, Boise State um, kind of ties with my staff, um, guys that I've known. Um, Jeff Tedford had just come as a, a consultant and they're a longtime friend, friends, uh, you know, so to Fresno. So there just seemed to be this this Washington, Chris Peterson kind of buzz around me seems like with my friends, with my my colleagues at uh, different places. Lee Marks is a guy that coaches with me. You know, no, I knew Scott Huff for many years, um, who's on our staff. Um, Julius Brown is on our staff. He's a Boise grad as well. So, um, but we had one conversation, and he did. He did. He, he laid out a lot of the things he'd learned and and uh, things he'd gone through, and um, you know, a lot of just prop promising things that I felt, you know, you know, made me feel great about what the, the job could be and uh, the excitement towards it. So um, he's obviously, you know, did a phenomenal job here. And uh, he's one of the greatest coaches in college that we, in college football had, you know, not just uh, here at Washington. Coach, you, you go from, <laughs> you know, those first initial stops and we, we know you were at Indiana and in Fresno State, what's it been like kind of elevating your eyes in terms of recruiting at, at a lower level to now at Washington and, and trying to build a, a power five contender, uh, you know, a national title contender? What's it like just just kind of re, is there a recalibration of, of, of your scout's eye and, and your staff's eye or what, take us through that? What's that been like? Yeah, I know from per, just personally in my own experiences, you know, Small college, you know, bigger, bigger pool, right? You got more people you got to recruit because you, you're not going to always be the top choice, and um, you got to kind of feed off of, uh, you know, the direction of everyone else and where they're going. But um, going through every, it, what was unique, I think, with my journey is that, you know, an FCS school, um, an FBS, two FBS schools, and then a Power Five school in the Big Ten, and then, you know, like all those stops, you just kind of see. Okay, this is what the athletes look like. This is the type of, of player you need to win. And it was different parts of the country too, you know, and this is what you see in the West Coast. This is what you see in the Midwest and Southeast. And so, you know, it's just um, it's been really good, I think, for my own just growth throughout the years to have the journey I've been on. And I think our staff just does a critic, just an amazing job. I think one thing they 
they're, we're not afraid to do. Um, I know everyone looks to the highly rated guys, but I think we're not afraid to, to really evaluate and look at um, and pull the trigger on guys who, you know, maybe aren't the four star yet or the five star, you know, but they're the guy that, you know, you have some, you have some maybe people you trust and uh, you know, you use your eyeballs and watch the film and you listen to the people that you know and trust at maybe this high school or someone who knows the, the, the person you're recruiting, the kid you're recruiting. And, um, you know, you, you just kind of really look into it and you're like, man, this is, this is our type of guy, you know, this is the type of person we want and the type of player that uh, is, is only, you know, not even close to reaching his potential. So um, our guys, our coaching staff, you know, really trusts and us trusting our own evaluation, I think is something that I'm really proud of. Coach, from 2014 to 2016, you're at Eastern Michigan. And then in 2019, you're at Indiana. You know, you kind of talk about the cross-pollination of being in the Midwest. And, you know, when I was at Washington, it was very recruiting specific to an area, right? We, we really didn't go east of Texas. I found it pretty interesting when you got there, a lot of those national offers started going out. And it's, it's fascinating because we always talk about on the West, those big bodies on the line of scrimmage, they come out of premium and they're hard to find. So just in terms of, can you talk a little bit about where you see Washington's current recruiting geographical footprint uh, for where you are, for where you guys are now? Yeah, I, and coming in, there was no doubt, We Courtney Morgan did a great job just kind of looking at rosters over the years here at Washington. And we went specifically to the, the best years. And where were those guys from? You know, what were the teams uh, that had those players on? Where were they from? And for the most part, it was California, and in particular Southern Cal, and then uh, and and Northern Cal too, but Southern Cal and then Washington, um, and then there was always some players like we have right now that are coming from, you know, maybe um, the the footprint of the West Coast or just a little bit further east, um, and so we know that in the end, that that is who we are. Like that's where it all starts. And if you have an equal player here on the West Coast and and one out in the Midwest, we need to go with the West Coast player. That's just who we are, and that's that's um, that's where we're at, you know. But there are so many connections um, with our coaching staff. Uh, we have a lot of West Coast transplants that have been and have a lot of experience on the West Coast as coaches, um, but we also still have a lot of those ties and know a lot of those people going back 10, 15, 20 years, you know, to where um, we were, you know, confident in, in – you know, and there's reasons why some of those offers even happened. It happened maybe because of connections we had to the Midwest. So, um, you know, the first year in where I think most of our relationships were probably California and then the Midwest, and we're getting to know the coaching staffs here in, in uh, Washington. I think that's where you saw most of our guys come from is from those areas that we had the deepest and strongest relationships with. And those people knew who we were and, and trusted that, you know, we would get this program to where we said, you know, said that that was going to be. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Coach, we're almost 15 minutes into this this podcast, and this is the first time this name's come up. But Michael Penix, uh, he is not a guy from the West Coast. He's not a guy from the Midwest, but you knew him when he was at Indiana. Um, and he, it, obviously, magical season for him, leading leading the NCAA in passing. Just what do we need to know about him as an individual? Uh, I remember when he entered that transfer portal, I think you guys beat out UCF for him. There were some other schools in there. What was it like getting him, talking him into playing, you know, probably the furthest away? I, you know, I don't think you could go any further from Tampa yeah. to there. So, right. you know, how, how did you get him there and how did you keep him here for the upcoming season? Well, I think, first of all, just, you know, he was in the portal. And I think um, when he saw I, I was coming to Washington, I think without even us contacting each other, uh, I, I knew he was there and he knew I was here. Uh, and I think there was kind of this in the back of our minds, uh, like, hey, this could be what evolves and what happens. Um, but we just kind of let it run its course for a, a few days. And um, once we got on the phone and, and kind of rekindled and just started talking, man, I just re- I went back to 2019 and how much fun it was coaching him, remembering what type, how great of a person he was. Um, you know, he's a guy that just is pushing hard to be great and is super competitive. Um, obviously very talented, but he's, he, he'll just be one of the guys out there too, you know? And, and I think that's what our team loves about him is he's got this uh, competitiveness and man, he goes out there and balls out on Saturdays, but you know, he's, he's just pretty cool and calm when it comes to, you know, just hanging out in the locker room and, and uh, maybe going out for, for dinner or lunch or something like that with his, with his teammates. But he is a, uh, you know, once once he came to campus, I think it was pretty much instantaneously that, you know, we talked through a few things, kind of figure out where he was at, that this would be what happens. As far as, like you said, holding on to him or keeping, I don't look at it that way. Um, our whole mindset was that it was probably going to, it was going to be one and then moving on to the next level, the NFL um, after this last season. But I think, just as the year went along, um, it was just something where he's had such an amazing experience. Um, and it was so much fun, you know, uh, here in Seattle with the uh, just the community support um, and, uh, you know, winning football games. And I think at the end, with just there being some unfinished business uh, for our team and our program uh, with what we think we're capable of doing or feel we're capable of doing, um, you know, it just it came to the point where he, uh, you know, he just felt like, man, you know, like you don't get many years in, in your life to have these experiences. And, you know, he wanted to come back for more. And uh, obviously we were we were ecstatic um, when he uh, gave us that message through a video at our team banquet. And, uh, you know, that was a phenomenal night. Just I think the trickle, the, the, the trickle effect from that, you know, with other guys deciding that they're going to stay for another year and not move on to uh, the NFL. Um, you know, Mike Shirt certainly was a catalyst with that. Coach, how big of an advantage is that for you to have the known commodity of a Michael Penix coming over from Indiana as a first year head coach 
and here you are. Here's your quarterback transfer, starting quarterback. Obviously, he had, he had to win that battle. But for you, is that like an extension of you in a way that you can kind of say, hey, you know, here's a guy that knows me. We've been together. I mean, is, is that a is that a beneficial part of you in, in your transition uh, to a new place like Washington? I think the biggest thing between uh, Michael and I is going to be the trust and just the the love we have for the journey we are, we're each on, you know, and um, l- love seeing him, you know, have these moments that uh, he's worked so hard for and, um, you know, the adversity he's gone through to, to, to realize that he's even just, uh, it's just crazy. But, you know, I think um, there's no question him knowing the offense, just, it just it catapulted us, you know, quicker into the success we had. Um, definitely have to give Ryan Grubb, our offensive staff as well, but Ryan Grubb just did an amazing job, just like pushing, 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 you know, Mike as well, you know, um, and seeing how far he could take us and not just taking this slow approach, but realizing that we had a guy that knew probably, I don't know, at least 80%, if not more like, you know, 85, 90% of the offense, you know? And so um, he was like a coach on the field. Yes, he went through a quarterback competition, we kept it open, went really one-third, one-third, one-third with the reps all spring, uh, the first couple of weeks of fall camp. Um, it is a different deal now, you know, when you know that you have the guy and, and uh, just the way we're operating when play one of spring ball hit, you know, and, and here's your quarterback and here's, you know, this guy and that guy, and, um, you know, in the lineup. And, uh, you know, those are kind of your for sure starters, uh, you know, that have shown what they can do and work so well together. Um, it's exciting. I know Cooper is going to roll his eyes here, but uh, this is a recruiting podcast, roster management podcast, and, and Penix is left-handed, right? It, what is it like having a lefty? Because I think people don't realize, you know, it kind of alters not the offense, but it makes practice a little bit more difficult. Do you ever try to recruit another left-hander for you? Well, everything we do is left-handed. You see how I drink my water, right? <laughs> <laughs> everything we do is left-handed now in the whole building, so <laughs> – yeah, that was unique. Last year, you know, we had Sam uh, Heward with us too. And so we had two lefties out of our really three main quarterbacks. And uh, that was unique. But, um, yeah, I don't think it matters what, you know, obviously we've had both. And um, you certainly do take another look at the lefties because um, uh, Mike's, Mike's definitely special. There's something about the way they throw too. It just looks really good, um, you know, whether it's a football or baseball no matter what, but yeah, yeah. We've all become lefties now and everything. <laughs> all right, coach, let, let's talk about a right-handed quarterback and one that we're, we're pretty jazzed yeah. up about Austin Mack. Yeah. Okay, you got this, this big cat coming in from Folsom high school, which Wa- university of Washington had a lot of success out of that high school there in Folsom. And this is a guy that Andrew and I and our team at 24 seven sports really excited about reclassifies into the class of 2023. And with you guys now, I believe, it's pretty interesting. We have this very small sample size of quarterbacks that have reclassified and what their success looks like at the collegiate level. With Austin Mack, is there a different type of development, uh, developmental plan in place, not only on the field or off the field with a guy that should be a senior in high school, or do you just throw him in there and he's just one of the guys and, and you, you kind of treat him like everybody else? Yeah, I think we'll see as we go along, you know, but first of all, we know he's physically just, I mean, he's, He's a, he's a man, you know, you know, he's only, he's young, but uh, he, he's six, six, you know, at least. And 
that's what you don't see in the film. Like you don't really feel like, oh, he's six six because the way he moves and stuff. Um, he doesn't have the number of snaps, right? He's really played one main year of, of high school ball. And so that experience is something that, you know, we need to make sure we're trying to give him as much of. Um, he's going to be in a meeting room with Coach Grubb and Dylan Morris and Mike Penix. I mean, some guys who really are great people, too, on top of knowing the ropes of college football. And uh, I know they'll take him under their wing uh, when it comes to how he'll grow and develop um, intentionally. Is I think you know there'll be certainly ways where we're trying to put him out there in the fire, uh, in practices, and just you know really you know helping him build confidence, uh, helping him learn, um, you know, and do it in a way where you know hey we understand like you haven't had all these banked reps, but he's got the tools uh, there. That's for sure. You know just. Um, to me, the, the explosiveness of his arm and arm talent in general, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. He's just maturity. You know, that's what pops at you so much. He's just beyond his years. You know, I have a, a, a daughter who's, you know, really the same age as him when he comes in and she's very mature and talks very well, but he just, you know, he comes in the room and, and you don't think that he's a, a 20 and that originally a 2024 grad, you know, and, um, you know, we'll be smart. We'll have to be, we'll be careful as we get through the season. I mean, if it's a, a, a moment where you have to roll and get him out there, you do that. But uh, I know we'll be very smart in making sure we, we help him grow but not have, you know, any major setbacks, uh, whether it's confidence-related, injury-related, or anything like that. But um, he's, uh, he's different. He's different. In our minds, he's different than uh, a lot of the quarterbacks that, uh, you know, we recruited out of the 2023 class as well. I think the freakiest thing he can do is that like 200 pound snatch, which is a highly skilled, you know, movement. I mean, the fact that he's six, six, you know, uh, is your strength staff like salivating over the idea of getting to work with this, like, you know, man child. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he just loves working at it. You know, you can tell, I mean, just the work he puts in, whether it's the lifting, the throwing, I mean, he is just taking it all in and whatever, Whatever, you know, it seems like, you know, I would say whatever we're throwing at him, you know, and telling him to get ready for them. I mean, he's actually doing it before we even say that he just, uh, you know, he's a very determined young man. That's for sure. You know, and has a has a has a vision for what, you know, his future looks like. And, uh, you know, the work that he's putting in definitely supports those goals. Coach, you know, taking a look at the transfer portal, and this is something that's pretty fascinating because when I left Washington, in 2019, I think, I mean, we barely dipped in there. We, we dipped in there for Jacob Eason, who was about as big of a no-brainer for the University of Washington at that time. Now with the portal, the quantity of players in the portal, seven transfers in 2023, the year before that you took nine. Is that something uh, where it's positional based, it's year in, year out, you're kind of looking at it and say, hey, we're probably gonna live in this six to 10 range. Uh, or is that something you say, hey, we need offense and defensive linemen if we're going to contend uh, in the later months of the year on, on a national stage? I mean, I, how do you look at the portal as a whole, how it applies to you guys? Yeah, I think it's going to be a year to year. Um, I think there is probably going to be this range somewhere around where you mentioned it's six to 10, um, I would say, you know, and um, this year with so many guys returning, you know, we're in that seven range and we're, we're addressing um, and we will continue to address uh, just areas where we feel like 
hey, we, we need an upgrade just a little bit. And maybe sometimes it's the upgrade now for this season, but it's also like it doesn't mean that we don't have confidence in who we have in our program. We're just maybe bridging the gap between some young, them, those young guys that, you know, um, you know, you don't want to throw completely into the fire. They'll get their chances. They'll get their opportunities, you know. Um, but, you know, we just need some guys to, to come in and, and uh, solidify, you know, really every position of our team. And that's the goal last year. Um, there was some unknowns. There were some positions that had injuries um, and really, really no depth. And so we were addressing those at the time. Um, by bringing multiple guys, I think, especially at running back that happened, um, you know, and so, uh, you know, we did bring, uh, you know, a couple uh, de- defensive linemen in, um, you know, an edge player uh, with Zach Durfee. Uh, but, you know, most most of our roster right now um, with it returning, there wasn't really this need um, unless we felt like someone, you know, really could be a difference maker. And then, of course, they have to fit, you know, just who we are as a program you know, the culture piece and be a great fit for, you know, as a person as well. Well, talking about culture fit, you guys brought back Jeremy Bernard, wide receiver from the class of 2022. I think he he signed with you guys, correct? I mean, I know he was committed throughout, goes to Michigan State. Um, I mean, it's pretty rare for that. I I don't think I've seen that before for a guy to go away and then you open your doors. And I, I read some of your comments. I mean, uh, you know, it, it seems like you guys are on the same wavelength there. I mean, just take us inside that, you know, the decision yeah. to bring, bring – I mean, because, again, I, I can't recall that happening anywhere. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Ber- Jeremy Bernard was uh, – uh, Jeremy Bernard was – he was really committed here for, I mean, a long time as well, over a year, year and a half maybe, you know. And so um, the thing about him was uh, in December when I got the, the job in 2021 um, – Really, I mean, just I fell in love with the guy, just everything about him, um, not just a football player, but just his, you know, all the character traits and the competitiveness he had and how he worked and, you know, his family and all that. It was great. And obviously there was a lot happening. He was going to be an early enrollee come in in January and with coaching changes and so forth, um, seeing his position coach leave. Um, that's something, you, you know, like there's a relationship that was, you know, deep. You know, it had been um, been a long time where those two had, had, had in particular had gotten to know each other. Well, um, we, we released him of his NIL or NLI at the time, getting two, uh, two of those mixed up. Right? I do that all the time, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we released him just because I understood, you know, what he was going through. And this was uh, a lot happening um, in a very short amount of time. And um, I think he just watched from afar and knew that this is a place he loved. Um, and, and he loves the school. He loves the guys that are here. Um, he loves the, the community in the area. You know, there's a reason why he stuck to his commitment for so long. Um, but, you know, he, uh, he just, I think, watched our offense probably as much as anything then on top of that and saw that, you know, hey, this is the type of offense I want to be a part of and the potential that existed. And so, um, man, we were open arms when uh, when he was in the portal and, and certainly all about it, you know, and him coming back because uh, I understood how hard it was at that time originally, um, everything he was going through. Coach, sticking with the receiver group for a minute, uh, a group that is very talented, and obviously you are somebody that is a offensive-minded coach, very involved with your offense as well. I mean, what does it do for you as a creative mind and having two guys like Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, and I, I'm not even mentioning Jalen Polk and, and guys like Taj Davis as well. But when you got those two guys at the top, 
how does that really kind of open things up for your offense as a whole? Yeah, it's um, – I mean, first of all, I think – I hope I'm not misspeaking, but those two in particular would have been carry part of your group, right, that you brought Coach, in. You're giving, me, you're giving me way too much credit. But, yes, I, I love those two like my own kids. I'm putting timelines together in my mind <laughs> as we're talking. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you. <laughs> but uh, those guys are phenomenal. Just, I mean, so competitive. I mean, every – and the cool thing is, is that – what you everyone sees on the football field and how talented they are. Um, I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's what makes us go. But those guys, I get a smile on my face every time I walk into the room when I see Roman Duze, Jalen Polk, of course, the rest of the crew you just mentioned as well, but there's so much fun, um, you know, with our offense and getting your question, uh, you know, they, that's, I don't want to say it's where it starts because I think you got to have an old line to protect uh, Penix and all that, but man, having those weapons out there, uh, that just uh, can do so many things, get down the field and stretch it vertically, um, get the ball in their hands and let them make plays and, and just try to get them in space. Um, you know, they just they're they're great football minds. They're competitive. Uh, it, it's it's certainly opened up our offense and Coach Grubb and the offensive staff have done a great job putting them in a lot of different spots where people can not just focus on, you know, one guy and him being in a particular area. Um, they move them all over. Coach, I wanted to ask you about another one of your your quarterbacks. I mean, this isn't this isn't a guy you had at Washington, but he's at was at Fresno State. Jake Hayner, um, a name that's you know, I, I think there's some buzz behind the scenes. Brock Purdy type of profile. Um, you know, if an NFL front office were to call you, I'm sure they have. <laughs> you know, what, what's kind of the elevator pitch on on why they should take Jake Hayner, having worked with him? Yeah, I mean, you know, tools wise, I mean, he's got everything with the arm talent that you need. Um, there's no question. And, and uh, you know, he can make all the throws and he's super, super accurate. Um, you know, and I think just then it goes to, you know, really understanding what makes Jake tick. And he's just this guy that loves football. He loves his teammates. He's a great teammate to everyone that's around him. And uh, he is just passionate about winning, you know? And um, I mean, you know, it, He's he was such a good leader for us, and and he just always just think uh, you know betting on himself, right? I mean, and I would bet on him too. You know, he just when he gets to the end of the game, it's just I'm going to cut it loose, you know. And there were some big games he won, and um, he just cut it loose and had wanted to make sure there was no regrets. And the cool thing about Jake is he just he enjoys the moment he's in, you know, and uh, loves the highs and probably hates the lows, but uh, you know he's going to be better because of it. So. Uh, he's in that moment. It was so much fun really working with him. Um, obviously, he was a huge reason for our success. and There was tools around him as well. But, uh, man, he can certainly sling it. And he's a great student of the game. He just eats, sleeps, and breathes football. And uh, he loves uh, the X's and O part and uh, always trying to get better that way. Coach, one more question each from the both of us, and then we'll get you out of here. Appreciate your time. But in your first season, I can't think of a better start. I don't even know if this happened when I was there, but you beat Oregon, you beat Oregon State, and you beat Washington State in that Apple Cup. I mean, you got to be like selling that so hard on the recruiting trail. That's got to come up in every conversation, right? Yeah, I mean, that month of November was something that, that we're, we're holding on to as long as possible, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know, I think it, it does. It gets brought up, but I think 
Um, it's probably more about just uh, 11 and two and, and people feeling, you know, the overall, just what we accomplished and even the bowl win, you know, I don't think probably people even expected us to win that game, you know? So we're kind of this program that's just uh, doing what I think it's supposed to because <laughs> it's Washington and not that they're I'm arrogant about that in any way, but just um, that's the expectation here. And we're, we're back to that. Um, but um, also I think there's just this, uh, you know, like this, this appreciation towards like how it feels when you're, you know, coming to visit our campus and being around the players and watching practice on the field. And, you know, and there's appreciation for how our how hard our guys work. And, you know, those wins are certainly important. Don't get me wrong. They all, each and every one of them are. Um, but I think it's the whole compilation of everything together um, that people see and that we really want to focus on. And um, I think every, every school that you just mentioned is different in their own way, you know, and we're selling Washington, that's for sure. You know, and the city of Seattle and just how we're unique with all those things that pertain to us. A little more open-ended for me, but you know, PAC 12 is going to look different here. Uh, USC, UCLA, they're gone to the big 10. Uh, you got coach prime at, at Colorado and he's created a ton of noise. I mean, have you guys shifted how you, you plan to attack uh, the recruiting trail and, and, and mold your roster? You got Dan at, Dan Landing at Oregon as well. I mean, just your thoughts, I guess, on on the conference moving forward and how that applies to recruiting. Yeah, I think right now with just us being in the West Coast, I mean, our footprint is still everything we mentioned earlier, you know. So we stick to that. And I think as far as the plan, the plan hasn't – there's really no reason to change that. We'll keep an eye on and, and of course, be looking across the country to, um, you know, to always find guys that fit and maybe connections and – and areas that we know well, regions that we know well and have had success in. But, um, you know, we'll, we, we kind of know who we are and what we're looking for. And as of right now with the Pac-12 and, and where we're at, I mean, that's that's uh, that's the, that's reality and that's uh, what we'll continue to do. So I don't feel like uh, we've had to change much. I'm, it really is not something right now that's been brought up as much as I probably thought it would um, in conversations um, here and there, you know, just – what do you think and what's the direction and uh, what do you know, you know, probably inquiring more than anything, but um, you know, I'm sure it will happen more and more as this becomes a reality and we get closer to 2024 as well. All right, coach, actually one more question. I, I need to know before we get you out of here, are you in the Sioux Falls hall of fame yet? The university. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Good. Because yeah. if you weren't, I was going to write a letter. <laughs> but yeah. coach, yeah, we, we, we appreciate the time, man. Great to talk to you. Great to meet you. You're doing wonderful up there. We're looking forward to, to seeing you guys on the field this season. So we appreciate you joining us. Yeah, I appreciate you guys too. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. All right, for Andrew Ivins, I'm Chris Stagner. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. See you tomorrow. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!